Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is George Ferrican, your data expert, and I'm your host for today. Today, I'm joined by Derek Korek, GM Data, Pivotree, and Justin Anovic, Chief Product Officer of Syndigo. We're here to talk about unlocking value through content strategy. Welcome, Derek. Welcome, Justin. Hey there. Nice to be here. Yes. Thanks for having us. Pleasure is all mine. Now, in our digitally driven world where every interaction counts and competition is really just a click away, the importance of a robust content strategy cannot be emphasized enough. It's not just about creating content. It's about crafting experiences, building trust, establishing a strong brand voice in this bustling and hustling business environment. So, Derek, I just want to hear a little bit more about yourself. And then, Justin, off to you. Hi there. I'm um, Derek. As you you mentioned, I'm head of the data uh, practice here at Pivotry. And, um, you know, what we're looking to do is we're looking to help people, um, you know, deliver better better product content to their customers to drive, you know, we, we talk about the fact that, you know, in, 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 in commerce throughout the history of commerce, you know, it's been four basic pillars. It's been find, can you find what you want? Trust, can I trust the person I'm doing business with? Um, you know, the ability to buy it and then the ability to get it and have the, uh, you know, and, and, and have that continued trust through the, through, through the, uh, you know, actually receiving the thing that you uh, thought you were going to get. And um, that's really what's, uh, you know, it used to be done, you know, face to face, handshake to handshake, looking the person in the eye. Um, and now it's being done through digital means, which means that the data that is uh, being provided to, um, to those end customers, um, you know, needs to be of, uh, you know, of sufficient quality that you can drive that trust and get them to, you know, make sure they can find you, drive the trust and then, um, you know, get them to, uh to buy what you uh you know what 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 you have uh, in the market. Well, I'm looking forward to the conversation, uh, Justin. Yeah, so uh, my name is Justin Anovic. Again, as you mentioned, Chief Product Officer at Syndigo. I do just want to mention that my older brother's name is Derek, and I hope that this Derek doesn't bully me the same way that my older brother did. <laughs> so we'll see. Well, I'll chime in at the end to see if I uh, feel like it was, it was a safe space, but that was a while ago. I should let it go. Uh, but anyhow, we provide uh, the ability for uh, brands, suppliers, uh, and the like to be able to share their content and store their product data. So if you think about going to a website, you see a litany of uh, brands that are listed that you can buy, whether that's looking on Amazon, whether that's going to some place like Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever, you know, you think, how does that content data get there? How is it consistent? Well, that's the capabilities that we provide. We help ensure that when those brands in these instances are uh, entering and trying to uh, syndicate their their data, uh, it's consistent with those hardliners or those retailers' requirements. And then as well, if you're one of those brands and you have uh, you know all this product data uh, that you want to store, or you have supplier, customer, uh, any of that type of data, that's what we do. We ensure that uh, our customers 
uh, can you know, govern, uh, ensure that there's high quality of that data to be able to distribute, syndicate, share uh, in a variety of sources, whether it's in store or whether it's uh, online. So Derek, let's talk a little bit more about that. How do Syndico and Pivotry work together? You know, can you describe the context of why both of you are here together on this podcast? Uh, you bet, yeah. So um, <clears throat> you know, Pivotry is really focused on, uh, on, on the data itself. So we're focused on helping customers with you know, uh, quality, completeness, um, uh, consistency of it across you know, business operations and channels, and helping customers with um, strategies to um, build, build taxonomies and relationships and, and all that sort of thing with the data itself to make sure that it, it, it's of high quality and complete um, uh, with everything they do. Syndigo is, um, you know, provides a, a master data platform um, as well as a syndication platform that helps us, um, you know, have a, have, a, have a central place where we're organizing the, where we're organizing the data, driving the governance, ensuring the quality, um, creating the relationships between uh, data components. So whether they be product to product relationships, product to supplier, uh, you know, product to, um, to customer. And then, um, and then uh, obviously Syndigo then gives us the capability of sending that data on to channels. So whether that be a marketplace channel, whether that be a, a retailer channel, um, whether that be a B2B channel, um, you know, distributor channel, um, any of that. So, so um, Pivotry focuses on the data, the interoperability uh, of that data with internal systems. Um, and, then, uh, and, then, and then we work very closely with Syndigo um, to provide, you know, really outstanding platforms um, that give us a place to do all that great work. Thank you, Derek. I love how that really ties in with what you mentioned earlier on the five pillars of find trust, ability to buy, to get, and then, of course, actually getting what you, you bought in the first place. <laughs> right. So can we, can we talk a little bit more about that symbiotic relationship between product content and customer experience? Those are really pivotal. So Justin, I, I want to ask you first, how does product content enhance customer experience? And if you can share some insights or examples from Syndigo's perspective. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the best examples are the ones that are uh, problematic for that end customer, right? They're being impacted. It hurts the brand experience. They provide a bad review. They have to provide returns. I mean, we've seen examples where, you know, someone orders a toothbrush and it comes and it's four feet long. And that was either because the uh, brand uh, didn't put in the right dimensions or the, you know, potentially the uh, data quality monitors were not there to ensure that says you can't have a four foot toothbrush. Uh, or there's a legitimate example where a customer ordered a Christmas tree, thought it was nine foot six, but it was 96 feet. Uh, and luckily it you know, was canceled before it ever arrived at the house. Imagine sitting at your house, you hear this big truck pull up and you're thinking, am I Rockefeller Center? But like, <laughs> that's where it starts, right? So certainly the data quality drives a significant amount of, uh, of that experience, but also just the overall descriptions. If you go to Amazon, and it has consistent information up top. It's pretty bland. You scroll down below the fold, and then it gives a, a more elaborate and accentuated version of that. It might have videos, images. It might have uh, you know, actual customer reviews uh, beyond just written reviews. And so that's uh, providing a you know, greater uh, view into what that product could be. 
And so certainly that connection between the product content, product data, and that customer experience, I, I think is everything. The physical product is one thing. If you went into a store, uh, great, you could see that wasn't a four foot <laughs> toothbrush, or you could see it wasn't a 96 foot Christmas tree, but you also want to understand a little bit more about it. What type of uh, you know, Christmas tree is it? Or what type of bristles does that toothbrush have? And so the description of it becomes just as important. Now you go to the, you know, the online world and you can't see it. You have to absolutely trust uh, that the description is accurate or you have a really bad experience. And so certainly that data quality uh, and, uh, you know, the data details and the content details become important in that online world. Absolutely. That metadata is so important and its accuracy, it's paramount to the customer journey. So Derek, from Pivotry's standpoint, how do you see the role of product content shaping the overall customer journey? And there are really, I think, a couple of things that we, um, you know, that we look at. And we, we've actually done quite a bit of market research and a big part of, um, you know, a big part of our focus um, in, uh, at, you know, Pivotry is obviously in uh, commerce, uh, in supply chain and sort of how data you know, works with those, um, you, know, you know, works in those areas to kind of drive outcomes. And um, so in some of our research, you know, when you think about, you know, what, what, what creates, um, you know, abandonment, right, when people are going to look and, and um, not being able to filter results, not, um, not being, you know, searching for something and not, you know, not getting a return, um, you know, things like that, you know, become reasons why people can't find your product. And one of the things that we run into quite a lot, and you'd be surprised, is, you um, you know, people who are in digital commerce coming to us and saying, "Hey, we've got a we've got a search problem, and we'd like you to take a look at our search engine." And you look at the search engine, and you start to kind of work it backwards, and you realize the problem is actually the data itself. Um, and once you fix the data, the search engine actually does quite okay. The other thing in the in the strategy on the, on the findability part is that you need to distinguish yourself from your competitors. So one of the things that we do a lot of work with is. You know, how do we make sure that we're giving uh, our customers a strategic advantage and helping um, their products, um, you know, sort of scale that search ladder? Um, and then the other thing is, as Justin said, um, you know, it's it's the quality. So, you know, the core attributes, you know, do, do, you know, do you have feet somewhere, but, you know, centimeters or, you know, but, 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 but like meters somewhere else do you have, you know, um, is, is it, um, you know, is it, that, that does it make sense, you know, when you, when you look at it and is it, and is it correct? So that data quality, is, is one thing. The other thing that's important is completeness. Do I have all the attributes and selling features available? Um, the, the, the third thing is completeness. Is it, is, it, is it the same across all of my various selling channels, whether it be in marketplace, branded websites, um, you know, uh, in, in my stores? Um, and, then, um, and then finally, um, you know, um, uh, then, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think, the, the, you know, the, those are the main things that we really look for is that is that quality, uh, the completeness. And um, and then the, the other thing that we find that's very helpful is really good um, metadata on digital assets. So digital assets attached to products with good metadata generally tend to drive a much better uh, find <laughs> uh, ability which obviously, you know, drives, drives, you know, much better customer experience. The thing though, and the last thing I'll say is like, like the, the, you know, how, how we put that strategy together really matters because if you don't um, have your data, you know, organized, you know, well, um, you don't necessarily have the ability to like drive that left-hand navigation, which lets you do, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the filtering and faceted search, 
which um, is another, you know, which is another thing that, um, you know, really drives uh, better customer experience and better and better satisfaction we found is, is the ability to do that. And, and, and that's something that's, uh, you know, really important to think about when you're, when you're driving your, your product content strategy. And I think that there's complications that exist, like, you know, th th those are all, you know, critical. I think what, you know, we see is that there, the, the variations, uh, or we both see is, you know, the variations become complicated, meaning you could have your own store, your own .com, you control all of that, you can publish, you know the consistency, you know how you want it to look, you know how you want it to uh, display, you know how you want it to operate. And so, you know, controlling that becomes much easier, right? Because you've set the rules. I think where we see the complications that start to really permeate, I mean, that's complicated enough, right? To make sure that you get a consistent, right, accurate, and, you know, you can have folks uh, entering it correctly. But now what about when you have to share somewhere else? It's not your .com, it's not your store. And so, you know, there's this, you know, view, it's my data, my way, that first example, my data, your way, and keeping that consistent while, you know, making sure that you continue to own your brand voice, make sure that you continue to own all that, but you fit within the confines of a third party in this case. They're the ones that are controlling what needs to happen and it's their consistency that allows the different suppliers, brands to be able to, you know, publish to those. So that ends up being complicated. And, you know, Pivotry is, is great at, you know, looking at that, understanding it, what the strategy is, you know, and then using uh, applications like ours in order to, uh, you know, fit into those environments. But there's, there, it's not just a one size fits all in this. And it becomes complicated because now you exponentially increase the number of additional you know, uh, uh, retail sites that you want to send to. We have customers that do, you know, a thousand, it's a thousand different. Technically, there could be a thousand different rules and, and re, you know, and, and requirements, yet you still have to fit your own brand uh, into those. So it becomes pretty complicated uh, if you're not setting out to do it correctly. And obviously, if the applications or you're running it through Excel, like it becomes, all, it becomes impossible to, to moderate. And I feel that the business complexity that you've mentioned if not managed properly, will just add to that poor data quality that gets created. That's right. Well, the, and the other thing to think about too is is just time to is just time to market. Um, you know, and and how much, you know, kind of uh, cost go, you know, cost and time and, and everything like that. So it's it's you know it's opportunity cost, but it's also you know real cost of people you know trying to configure data as as, as Justin said you know in spreadsheets to try to get it out out to a you know to a you know, to, to, to a Home Depot or something like that. Um, and you'd be amazed at the more channels you have and the more manual work you're doing to get that data where it needs to go. And maybe you met the standard and maybe you didn't and things are getting, you know, things are getting thrown back at you and you've got to log into a particular, um, you've got to log into a particular, you know, supplier portal across however many different, um, you know, destinations you have. Um, that's where the that, that's where the technology and the platform become really critical because it's, it's it, because you, you, you really can't scale your ability to sell into uh, into mm -hmm. you know various channels you know on the on the um, on the syndication side um, you know without without that you know without that technology advantage absolutely and I think it's it's something to to keep in mind that yes technology is needed but sometimes companies I think throw their lifetime or throw the you know evolution of technology itself companies have implemented a myriad of systems and each with its own set of processes and standards, which yet again, it's another cause of that poor data quality and inconsistencies and metadata that you both mentioned. 
So Derek, in your experiences at Pivotry, what are some of the primary causes of technical debt that companies accrue? You know, one of the biggest one of the biggest places we see it are people who've grown through acquisition, <laughs> um, and and really what we're talking about. You know, um, when you think about you know, technology, um, most you know most folks have a lot of it, right? We've got an ERP or fifty ERPs. We've got uh, we've got commerce systems. We've got um, you know we, we we've got uh, accounting systems, logistics systems, warehousing systems, all kinds of stuff. Um, but what ends up happening is the data ends up being, you know, uh, you know, configured or or formed or managed for that particular system, not even necessarily for the business operation, but really for the system itself. And uh, all of a sudden you lose you, you lose track of it. You, you know, you don't have visibility to it. You've got data, you know, data sprawl um, everywhere. And so for me, what what, you know, for me, the challenge of technical debt was really that idea that you know you've got you know older you know older systems probably multiple systems um, where the data isn't easily accessible easily available and not well governed and so um, what we really look to do is to help people overcome that by at least getting control over the data and then once you have control over the data and you're starting to get the insights and the visibility and all the rest of it. All the challenges, and not all, but many of the challenges that you have with legacy systems and disparate systems, um, you know, they get they get less impactful. Um, and so, this is really a place where we focus our attention to try to see how we can help people, um, you know, overcome those challenges by actually, you know, getting their hands on the data itself. If that if that makes sense, it does. It does. And Justin, anything that you want to add from Syndigo's perspective? Yeah, we look at it a few ways to to add on to Derek's uh, commentary. Certainly, uh, you know, modern architecture, cloud native. What does that mean? Why does that make a difference? Well, it allows us to, uh, you know, help create capabilities faster uh, and increase that, uh, you know, speed up the time to market. Uh, but we've also focused on, you know, from our perspective, uh, tech consolidation. Uh, an organization might have five, six different vendors. Uh, that we as one can do the same of. And so when you think about technical debt, uh, certainly, I mean, we have it in our own organization managing our MarTech stacks, right? We have, uh, you know, a product that does uh, emails, we have another one that does ABM, we have another one that does, uh, you know, whatever, um, you know, different tracking. And so it takes time, it takes resources, it takes all of that to learn these various applications, it takes time to integrate them. And so from our perspective, you know, we help reduce the technical debt for sure by, you know, that tech consolidation, but allows us to do it much easier because, you know, we're, we're on a cloud, we build a cloud native platform. Thank you. Now, Justin, I feel like AI is a top of mind for every consumer now and every company, right? <laughs> I wonder how we're going to get there. So how, how is Syndigo <laughs> leveraging AI machine learning to drive content strategies? You know, how, how is that bringing value to your clients? Sure. Um, so, you know, growing up, AI to us was Allen Iverson. Um, so it's definitely moved on from there. I just thought of that. That was a pretty stupid joke. Um, so <laughs> that was very clever. No, I, no I, 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 if I was your older brother, I'd probably bully you over that one, but I actually liked it quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good. Thanks for not bullying me. Uh, it's still a safe space. Um, yeah, so uh, anywhere that we can help not reduce the number of people you need so that you can, you know, let go of those folks, but to help improve efficiency. Almost everything that we talked about today, we have an AI element running in the application. So for instance, uh, if you want to, as a brand, send 
over your Christmas tree description, you have to, you know, to, uh, to Lowe's, you have to, or wherever you have to enter, you know, 25 different fields. Well, those fields are doing auto checks against what there should be. So some of them are just basic rules, knowing that you can't have more than 72 characters. Others are checking, does this actually make sense? And so it's going in and checking, um, you know, against a corpus as well as imagery, uh, as well as like if you're entering and, you know, if you added an image that actually uh, doesn't abide by, you know, the rules and regulations of that site, it could check it to, you know, alert that that's not appropriate and we can't actually complete it. So on the quality side and the governance, really, it's doing a significant amount of AI is doing a significant amount of checks uh, to ensure that you pass all of those rules, if you will. And then also, you know, more recently, certainly with, you know, the advent and uh, introduction of ChatGPT, uh, everybody's really trying to figure out how to go against that. Um, from our perspective, uh, ChatGPT certainly helps, uh, but going against a known corpus uh, using something like Axemantix or, or one of those is also critical. But our focus is really how do we help uh, the marketer merchandiser create effective and engaging and exciting uh, and exceptional descriptions uh, over and over again without having to you know hire a significant amount of copywriters. So all the way through the process from pure data entry to the creative, we have uh, you know included different elements over the years or more recently to help make sure things are more efficient, to help make sure that uh, you know those checks and balances occur. Because uh, the worst thing that you could do is you thought that you submitted it, you just added 27 products, uh, you're going to send them only to find out a week and a half later that an individual rejected all of those uh, because of, you know, a too long description or you had the wrong image. And then that's the time to market. Now, imagine that recycling over and over again. You've just lost that amount of time times two because you have to go through the same process. So AI really helps behind the scenes as, as you're using the application and doing data entry. Absolutely. Yeah, we're starting to uh, we're starting to really leverage AI extensively in 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 the in in our our data practice in in, in, a, in a in a couple of significant ways. So, just one example is a joint customer actually, um, you know, with um, you know with Syndigo that was an automotive that's um, an automotive dis distributor, where we were able to help them you know uh, map pro uh, part information to the uh, automotive pies, you know, part standard um, and do all the auto classification, you know, increasing their efficiency by, by, by over 50%. We're using, um, you know, AI to, to build, you know, to build like an, you know, initial data models and taxonomies, you know, 75, 80% faster. And, and we're starting to use machine learning or, or what we might call supervised learning to, um, you know, to drive, um, even to drive, you know, uh, you know, skew building completeness, and quality for, um, you know, for syndication. So just a, a, an example I can give you is, a, um, you know, uh, recently we, we, we've had a, um, um, a, an electrical distributor where, where they were, you know, they, they had an aspiration to get to sort of the millions of SKUs <laughs> um, thing online. They had, you know, they were able to really manage about 350,000 with their old processes. Um, and then we implemented a machine learning or kind of supervised learning um, capability and, and um, you know they were able within six months to go from 350,000 SKUs high quality SKUs online to 1.2 million high quality SKUs online. So you can obviously see and, and do it 
less you know less less costly and faster. So those are the kinds of things that we're we're we're, we're really trying to do with you know the machine learning and AI. But you know, obviously, we see a, a lot a lot of a lot more potential. But that's just one of the you know those are, those are just a couple of concrete examples of places where we're you know delivering those capabilities to customers and and really helping to drive an outcome. You are really changing uh, industries. And you know, I, I like that example about the automotive uh, distributor that that he had. Are there any lessons there that can be applied to other industries or sectors? Just looking to modernize their data infrastructure and data strategy. Well, the the automotive you know aftermarket um, automotive aftermarket industry is is a little unique in that they do have a pretty well recognized standard for you know parts and fitment um, that 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 you can you know that you can tag into. Um, I think the, the, the basic, um, you know, the basic ideas around, you know, how, you know, how we do that in terms of how, you know, how, how do we classify the data and make sure it's more complete make sure you've got better quality information on your parts, um, you know, attaching it to, um, you know, different applications and fitment. Um, I think the things that we're learning, um, from the automotive industry are things that are transferable to, um, you know, to other sectors. Um, I, I think, uh, but, but but they've they've been slow to be they've been a little bit slow to be adopted, so I think there you know there the, there's an opportunity for more standardization. Um, but in the but in the um, absence of that, I think you know as we're helping people build out these you know, data models and taxonomies and all the rest of it, um, you know helping them do that, helping them f- concentrate on spending less energy and capital on things that aren't strategically differentiating. So how do we very quickly get you to, you know, a, a sensible taxonomy that makes sense? How do we make sure that you have, you know, quality and completeness across your, 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 um, you know, your parts, but then how do we do things that really drive value to your customer? Um, and that you've got, you know, you, they, you understand, you know, the places that it fits, you understand what the applications are, you know, you've got, um, better information so that, cause, uh, you know, so that people can actually, you know, understand what this product is and even, you know, potentially, you know, tied to, you know, tied to videos and how do's and all the rest of it. But today, so many people spend all their time and energy just on the table stakes that they don't ever actually get to the things that are really going to drive, you know, more better customer experience and more customer value. Thank you. Now, Justin, you mentioned that you're leveraging AI anywhere from the data entry to the creative. I'm really curious about that creative piece. Do you have any recommended best practices for that solid content strategy to then better inform that creative? Yeah, there's uh, certainly, um, you know, you could use ChatGPT as long as you're using the uh, API, uh, you know, to, to create something more creative. There's a chance that, you know, obviously that's already been used and it's just reformatting. Uh, going against a known corpus uh, of content that you can then kind of refactor is important. But I would say the, you know, most of our customers are looking at the first pass, the first draft as a representative example, uh, and then go ahead and edit it. So, you know, I have a, you know, I have to create 20 product descriptions. Uh, I need to feed it in to give me a starting point. Uh, and it's almost like BASF, the old uh, tagline, right? They didn't make the product that made the product better. I think that the the marketer and the creative a merchandiser, uh, you know, can feed off of that and and improve it because there is also, you know, the quality element that it could be wrong if it's not against the known corpus, uh, and you have to make sure to have those checks and balances uh, that what you're saying is 100% accurate. So I'd say that the best 
uh, examples or using the editors as real, I mean, the, uh, you know, using the individuals to feed in the first option, but then to edit from there. Thank you. Derek, is there anything that you wanted to add from your end on those best practices? Um, no, I, I think that's, I think that's really, um, I think that's really, uh, you know, good. The, the one thing that is interesting is before all of this started, so much of the, so, you know, so much of the work that we did around, um, you know, around, um, you know, taxonomy, schema, classification, all the rest of it, it was, you know, all of it was manual and, and, and very, you know, very difficult spreadsheets. You know, we, we, you know, we, we created, you know, we created some, sometimes, you know, you create some custom tooling around it or something like that to make it a little bit easier. Um, and, and that, that is the one thing that, that having, you know, chat GPT available has really done is it's, is, is it's made that at least the initial passage, Justin said, more automated and, what you begin to, you know, what you begin to realize is that when you can put it kind of out into the, out into the world with that scope of, you know, referential material to come back, it, it, it very quickly helps you start to get that stuff um, in place. And, 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 and the thing that, um, that you realize, and at least I've been realizing is that, you know, over the years before, you know, we had some of the technology advancements we have, we just spent so much time and energy and effort and money on, 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 you know, table stakes that weren't strategically differentiating. And this is where I think in the content strategy, if we can sort of get people to rally around the idea that there's some things, you know, when you're putting together sort of a, you know, base product centric taxonomy that, you know, that is meant to drive, you know, the, the product attribution and drive completeness and all the rest of it. Um, you know, there's very little about that. That's going to be, that's going to, you know, be differentiating your differentiators are going to come, you know, later and how you, and how you market it and how you, um, in, in the, in, in the completeness of, of the data and, and the story you're able to tell and all the rest of it. So for me, this is giving us an opportunity to really think about how we spend our capital so that we're not spending it on things that we should be able to just get very quickly, but we're spending it on things that are really going to make a difference to our customers and drive and, and really drive that experience and really drive that brand specific view, like where we're, where, where we're really making a difference because it's us and not just because it's a, a product in general. Thank you. You know, I've really enjoyed this deep dive into the synergistic relationship between Syndigo and Pivotree and exploring the intricate interplay between product content and customer experience. And thank you. Thank you both for enlightening us on the pivotal role of technology, data, AI, and other differentiator that played that role, that crucial role in shaping content strategy. Thank you. Uh, thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun, Justin. It's uh, always great to get to spend time with you. So I uh, really, really appreciate your time as well. Yes. Thank you very much, guys. appreciate it. And I love the fact on how now, you know, we know as companies, how can we avoid purchasing that four foot long toothbrush or a Christmas tree that is, you know, Rockefeller Center worthy? Unless, of course, that's what the customer wanted. <laughs> I, I, I would have thought that the price, like when they clicked buy, that would, that would have been the first clue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was a data entry problem. So, yeah, uh, those are two actual real examples. Um, and if we had video, you would have seen my actual four foot long toothbrush that I used as a prop. So, uh, Oh, that's hilarious. That's awesome. Well, thank you again so much for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on this journey of discovery. And I hope that you found this session as enlightening as I did. So stay tuned for more insightful discussions in our upcoming episodes.
Thank you to everyone listening. We hope you took a lot away from today's podcast for further information on what we've talked about. And then please head on over to pivotry.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter or X and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head over to EM360Tech.com. 